All right, good to be here with you all. Uh, any of you guys uh, Carrie Underwood fans? Anyone? All right, not a lot of excitement, huh? Well, I want to show you a video. This is from a few years back. And it's kind of, it kind of went viral because, uh, you know, obviously, in a secular setting at the AMA, she actually sang a Christian hymn. And the hymn was, How Great Thou Art. And so, uh, just a really wonderful rendition. And so, I want you to take a look, because it's going to speak into our sermon for this morning. So, take a look now. All right, kind of gives you the chills, no? Okay, maybe a few of us. Well, the reason why I'm sharing is because this morning, we're going to be talking about singing. Singing songs of worship to a God who is worthy of all of our singing, amen? And singing is a powerful gift given by God. Okay, some of the babies are singing right now. It's a powerful gift. I don't know if you saw in the congregation, it moves people to tears. It can move you from sorrow to hope. It can move you from happiness and move you to jump you into this amazing intimate time with the Lord. This is why it's so important as the people of God to sing and sing to the Lord. This is why in our passage, because it is so powerful, the Apostle Paul 
wants to give us very specific instruction in how we ought to sing to our God. And the two things we're going to cover is singing our worship songs in truth and secondly, with thankfulness in our hearts. That's where we're going. You guys good? Yeah, with me? Okay, all right. So I'm hoping it's going to get better as we move along here. So worshiping in truth. Let's take a look here. It's Colossians 3.16. It says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We talked about this last week. Pastor Steve talked about how we need to let the word of God indwell us richly. But I don't know if you notice, this verse is one singular thought. Okay? He goes on and says, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The reason why, the one singular thought here for us this morning is proper worship is intimately connected to the proper indwelling of God's word. Did you get that? Proper worship for all of us is intimately connected to proper indwelling of God's word because God's word will help our worship and our songs be less of falsehood and deepen intimacy because we know the God we're singing to. You know, there are evangelists who are concerned for our generation because they think the lack of biblical knowledge is at an all-time low. And so actually a seminary professor to his first-year students gave this quiz because he wanted to see what their biblical knowledge was like. So this was the quiz, okay? It's for you. Is this word for word in the Bible? This is for first-year seminary students. I know all of you guys know the answer, but just for the sake of it, maybe with the person next to you. How many of these are in the Bible word for word? Go ahead, share with your neighbor. All right, anyone like to venture a guess? Anyone? Zero, yes. Correct answer. Actually, zero. Okay? The only one that's actually the closest is which one? The money is the root of all evil. But that's not word for word, because what is the problem? What is the root of all evil? The love of money, not money itself. The surprising thing to the seminary professor was that 50% of his students failed this quiz. I feel like we have more biblical knowledge in this room than that seminary class. Amen. But this is important. In our singing, in our worship songs, the word of God, we breathe in so that when we breathe out, it is theologically sound and it's honoring to God. So when we start singing a song and it sounds funky, you're like, that's not true. Because you have the word of God in you. You see, it's very important because songs sometimes, we like it because it sounds good, or we like it because someone is singing it and then makes it sound better than it actually is. And sometimes it tricks us even though it's filled with nonsense, right? Think about any love song that you know, that it's really popular, that you really like, and you'll be shocked because sometimes the lyrics are terrible. It's not true at all. 
I'm going to give you a few examples. When I was in college, these are a few that were really popular. If you know it, you can call it out. This is the lyrics. And uh, just to let you know, these, actually, I really like these songs. So this is the first one. It says this. I will never find another lover sweeter than you. Sweeter than you. And I will never find another lover more precious than you. More precious than you. Girl, you are close to me. You're like my mother. Close to me. You're like my father. Close to me. You're like my sister. Close to me. You're like my brother. You're like, what? What kind of love song is that? I kid you not. That was one of the more popular songs when I was in college. Anyone know who wrote that? See, you guys all know it. Here's another one. Your love is like a river, peaceful and deep. Your soul is like a secret that I never could keep. When I look into your eyes, I know that it's true. God must have spent a little more time on you, on you, on you. It's nonsense. But that was one of the more popular songs when I was in college. This is why it's important, because I think Paul recognizes this. Because sometimes when we sing, we don't sing because Chris and Annabelle and Vivian sound great. We don't sing because Jane plays every instrument that's ever been created by mankind. Okay? We sing because God is worthy. We sing because we take in God's word, and it reminds us that our God has saved us and loved us. And when we come together, we sing because he's worthy of all of our worship. This is why Paul is telling us you worship not because of circumstance, but because of the truth that fills your heart. When you start worshiping because of circumstance, let me tell you something. You will stop singing. You know why? Because life is tough. Sometimes it's hard to sing. When I think about this, I always think about Lamentations, chapter 3. If you have your Bible, I want you to go there real quick. Anyone know who wrote Lamentations? Well, it was a prophet named Jeremiah. He was called by God. He was obedient to him. He went as the messenger of God to the kingdom of Judah. And let me tell you something. He is following the will of God, and his life was terrible. I mean, it was hardship after hardship. So he writes a book called Sadness or Lamentations. He's lamenting. And in chapter 3, it's profound because he's had it with God. He's complaining to God because his life is so hard. Go to verse 1. It says this. He's talking about God here. This is a prophet. He says this. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. God has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He's saying, God doesn't even hear my prayers. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my patch crooked. Check this out. He's, he thinks God is so evil, he calls him a bear and a lion. I don't know the last time you did that. He says this in verse 10. God is like a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. 
This whole chapter, he's complaining to God because circumstantially, everything is terrible. But check this out. In verse 21, there is a transition where he goes from circumstantial hardship to now singing praise to God. Why? How could that happen so quickly? Well, the secret lies in verse 21. So if you're looking, go to 21. This is what I call the transition because of truth. In verse 21, he says this, but this I call to mind. You know what's happening there? It's very profound. He's saying, I fill my mind with truth. I remember truth about who God is. And then because of that, therefore, I have hope. And then he breaks out in praise to God. He says in verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. These are all found in the Psalms. He goes from a pity party. He fills his mind with truth. He starts singing praise to God. This is why Jesus, talking about his true worshipers, said, my true worshipers, they will worship in spirit and in what? Truth. This is why. Because if you worship God out of circumstance, you will stop singing. But when you worship God in truth, in what the Bible says, you will enter into this room every single Sunday and sing your heart out. Isn't that true? Amen? The three categories of worship songs. He said we should sing. And he says there are psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The terms here actually are very difficult to distinguish. Okay? But kind of the best way to put it is probably psalms means referring to psalms of Hebrew scripture said to accompaniment. Hymns is probably a generic term for praise songs for public worship. Spiritual songs is probably a generic term referring to any type of song, but qualified by the word spiritual. All you need to know is this. In the church, there were different types of songs that were sang. And they were all acceptable as long as they were what? Biblical. You know what's crazy is I went to a church in Boston. I was looking for a church because I lived there for a year. I visited this church, and it was a Presbyterian church. It's kind of what I grew up at. So I was like, all right, must be like a church that I know. And so I went. That church was the most conservative church I've ever been to. So what they did to begin the set was they sang Heart of Worship and then Blessed Be Your Name. And then they stopped and paused. And then the pastor came up and said, now we're going to start worship. And I found it interesting. I was like, what? We just sang worship songs. So I went to talk to the pastor after service. I was like, that was interesting how you did your, you know, your liturgy. And I was like, what does that mean? And he said, you know, songs like Blessed Be Your Name and Heart of Worship, although they're good, they're not actually worship. My mouth opened. I was floored. I was like, what? Then what classification do you give it? He said, well, in our church, worship songs are only hymns. So when we start worship time, we just sing hymns. Everything else before the worship time begins can be those songs. I'm going to tell you right now that that's wrong. When you look at this passage, it's clear that what Paul is saying is that there are different classifications of songs that exist in the church. As long as it's biblical, it should be sung with all of our hearts. And let me tell you something. Songs like Heart of Worship and Blessed Be Your Name has transformed, moved people 
Because blessed be your name, I, never, I don't know if you know this, it's from the Bible. Like there are lines directly from the Bible in that song. So we need to be careful. As you become Bible literate, you start figuring out, oh yeah, this is what's acceptable. And here, he's telling us, as long as it's biblical, we should sing with all that we are. So in your private life, you should be singing songs of worship. And I want to encourage you, when we get together in our public setting like this, I want you to sing and sing loud. Shout for joy. Look, I know some of us have grown up in like kind of a conservative setting, but it has nothing to do with anything. The Bible is clear that when we get together in the congregation, we sing and shout because our God is worthy of it. So we should declare it in this place. So I want to encourage you. You're like, Pastor John, I'm tone deaf. Doesn't matter. Sing loud. It does not say sing in three-part harmony. You know, if you're tone deaf, just mumble to yourself. It does not say that. We sing because our God is worthy of it. And when you take in God's word, I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot help but to just respond to a God that's worthy. So we worship in truth. Amen? That's our first point. Second, we worship with thankfulness. You cannot be in God's word, dwelling in it, walking in it, and then not be thankful. That's just the truth of it. When the word of God gives you spiritual eyes, you start recognizing that my life is filled with blessing after blessing that I do not deserve. It's interesting. The opposite would be to be ungrateful, right? That shows itself in complaining. And sometimes we have that, don't we? Like in my life, um, when I take a step back and I realize how spoiled I am, I, I get, kind of get floored. I remember growing up, and in junior high and high school, my parents once a year would take us to Sizzlers for, for birthday. And I mean, I loved it. I mean, I look forward to that like crazy. I would write it in my calendar. I mean, I'm not going, what's Sizzlers, man? They give you steak and buffet. I mean, what, what place does that? I mean, I used to, and now when I go to a restaurant, it's like I'm so spoiled because it's like, oh, it's not dry aged? Oh, what else do you have? Oh, oh, no Kobe beef, right? I mean, that's how we respond now. It's crazy. And I'm going to tell you something. The reason why singing and thankfulness are very important is because if you walk into this room, into the worship setting, and you are ungrateful and complaining because you don't have something, it will stop you from singing to a God that's worthy. When you need to recognize that in our lives, our, we are filled with blessing after blessing. You know, this week, there is a website. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's called the Global Rich List, Okay. And this tells you, based on your salary, how rich you are compared to the rest of the world. It's shocking, okay? I did some research. Did you know that a McDonald's crew worker makes about 20 to 25K a year, okay? If you were that sort of worker and you put in 25K into this, you know what percentage you would be in the world? You would be the top 2% of the richest people in the world. Did you know that? We're talking household. You add yours, your wife, maybe your kid makes that. You know, you add all that together. You are top 1% of any. That means that there are people, 99% of the world would be willing to trade places with you right now. Your education, the clothing that you have, the car that you have, the house that you have, it's all given by God. And we should be thankful because we don't deserve it. 
And you need to have eyes to see that. I was shocked. I went to Guatemala every year for five years. The first year, I remember I went, and as we were kind of closing up our three-week mission trip, there were three guys who were translating for us. They were native Guatemalans. They helped us a lot. So I wanted to bless them and say, hey, how can I bless you? And I'll be, I was shocked what they asked for, actually, because the guy, the first guy was like, can I have your jacket? I was like, what? <laughs> and I want, I want to tell you something. My jacket was a jacket from Target. And it was a jacket I brought because I was going to throw away. You know what I'm talking about. You're going to go work or you're going to get messy. It's going to be like, I'm going on a mission, so I'm going to throw it away. So that's the jacket I wore. And he was like, can I have that? I was like, yeah, you can have it. So I took it off. I gave it to him. The second guy, I guess he saw what the first guy did. He said, can I have your shoes? I was like, and it was Jordan's, but it was pretty messed up. It was one of those. I was like, I'm going to go on a mall. I'm probably going to throw it away. I took it off right there. I gave it to him. The third guy, I mean, I don't have my jacket on, my shoes. I don't know what he's going to even ask me, right? <laughs> I still remember the third guy was like, can I have your sunglasses? I was like, man, sure, man. These are like $15 that I bought, like one of those wall. You know what I'm talking about? You go to the mall, and then you could buy two for like 30 or something like that. So I was like, sure, you could have it. The craziest thing about this is this. Every year I went, they wore that jacket. They had the same shoes and the sunglasses. For five years, stuff I was just going to throw away. Stuff I brought because it's missions and I, it's, I, I don't care if it gets lost or dirty. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, my brothers and sisters, if you don't recognize the blessing that you have, I'm not even talking about materialistically. You add on top of the materialistic, the spiritual, eternal blessings that we have in God, how thankful should we be as a people? Just look around the church right now. I want you to look at the people next to you. Can you do that? Just real quick. Okay? Just even the people around you, look at how blessed we are that we have Christian brothers and sisters. Maybe you fought with your husband or wife and you're not, you don't want to look at them. But I'm going to tell you right now, look, they are a blessing in your life. We are blessed beyond all measure. And so what Paul is talking about is when you sing, you sing aloud because when you are thankful, you're recognizing that I have spiritual eyes to say, God, I know that I don't deserve anything and you pour into my life so much more than I deserve. That's why thankfulness is so important for all of us as we sing. And I'm gonna tell you right now, when you come with truth and you come with thanksgiving, you will sing and you will sing with joy every time we gather in the car when you're going to work, in the times right after quiet time. And I pray that we would be a people that sing aloud and shout for joy because our God is worthy of it. Amen? So with that said, I'm actually going to call the worship team up here. And we're going to sing. Sound good? So I want you to stand. We will take offerings, so don't worry. I know you're like, oh, you forgot offering. No, no. Pastor never forgets offering. <laughs> but I want to just respond and say, look, we come together, God, not because this is what I do on Sunday. All I'm thinking about is the eagles. No, it's not any of that, right? We come together because God is worthy. And if for any other reason, 
then we need to fill our minds with truth. So this morning, we're going to respond. And I'm going to have the worship team lead us in a few songs. And I want you to just forget anyone, anything else, any other thought that you came into this room with. And just focus on a God who has given you all things, who deserves all of our worship, who we desire to sing aloud and shout for joy in the congregation. So as Chris and the team leads us, let's sing with all of our hearts as we close our service here. Let's pray.